Hallelujah. Shall we close our eyes? Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this gathering because it's unto no other name but unto the name of Jesus. 
For your word says, wherever two or three are gathered in your name, you are there in their midst. Holy Spirit, we ask that you shall take absolute control. As I'm about to speak your word, may I not speak on my own accord. And may I speak as you grant me utterance. By virtue of the fact that I'm a blood-born citizen of the kingdom of God, I take authority in the realm of the spirit, and I declare a supernatural injunction on any activity of the enemy in this place. Declare this place and the hearts and the minds of the people of God. Sanctify and be ready for them to have an encounter with their father this morning. Take glory, Father. Take glory, Son. Take glory, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' most excellent name have we prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Shall we put our hands together for the Lord? It's still a, a Palmer Ulsa kind of clap. I believe you can do it better unto the Lord. Aren't you excited to be in church this morning? Hallelujah. You may take your seats. How many of you are glad to be in church this morning? Tell the one seated next to you, it's good to be in church. Tell someone else, it's good to be in church. Tell the person, you're looking very powerful this morning. As a person, what perfume did you use? You are smelling very good. What kind of weave do you have on? <laughs> Is it Peruvian or Korean <laughs> or Indian or Nigerian or it's from Kumasi? <laughs> Hallelujah. We thank God for this morning. And this morning, I want to share the word of God with you briefly, and then we'll zoom into prayer. Hallelujah. Yeah, we are trying to warm up for the fasting and prayer. Hallelujah. Yeah, today I'll announce the date we are starting. Before we close, I'll announce the date so that we can start the countdown. Amen. Yeah, so I'll share the word of God with you briefly, and then we'll zoom into a time of prayer. Hallelujah. How many of you are excited about prayer? I send them on Wednesday that it looks like some spirit of prayer has entered the church. It's because we are preparing for our fasting and prayer time. Hallelujah. Yes. So today, I want to share with you something. You know, I'm sure by now, those of you who have followed my ministry for a while, you will know that I have um, a signature opening prayer for my sermons. Some of you can rattle it with me. <laughs> When I start, I have a signature prayer for my, what do you call it? And I have a signature benediction as well. Yeah, today my preaching is going to be on the benediction. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah, you see where I get it from. <laughs> yes, so it is a sermon of entitled Blessings from Psalm 92. Blessings from Psalm 92. I don't think I'll be able to finish today, but um, I'll start it and then probably maybe on Wednesday or Maybe next week, Sunday, we'll see. We'll continue. So, let's have Psalm 92. We are going to start from verse 10. You see, blessings are very powerful things when they are declared unto you. If you receive the blessing with an open heart, it works for you. Hallelujah. And there are some powerful words in Psalm 92. You see, the, the, the essence of this is for you to understand where those words are coming from so that when I'm releasing them on you, you, are, you receive it and receive it well. Amen. Psalm 92. All right. So, this is the psalmist speaking. Let's read it together. It says what? But my horn shall thou exalt like the horn of an unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Next. 
Mine eye also shall see my desire on mine enemies, and my ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. Next. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Next. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And the last one. They shall still bring forth fruit in the old age and they shall be fat and flourishing. Hallelujah. I thought you would clap to that. Those are very beautiful words. Spoken under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now let's go to the tent. So it's going to be more or less like an expository preaching. To go step by step. I don't know where I'll reach. And the time will be up because we have to pray. It says, but my horn shall thou exalt like the horn of an unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. So somebody will ask, why did he choose the unicorn? It's because the, you, in the first place, there's a lot of debate where the whole subject of a unicorn is concerned. When you read other versions, some talk about a wild ox. A wild ox, all right? There's a lot of debate where the whole subject of a unicorn is concerned. I watched a video where some people, I don't know whether they were atheists, but they were challenging the authenticity of the Bible simply because there is no historical or archaeological evidence that unicorns really did exist. In fact, unicorns are considered to be mythical. They are supposed to be used in stories, uh, Greek stories and stuff like that, all right? There's no archaeological evidence. At least we do have archaeological evidence of the existence of things like dinosaurs. But nobody up to now has seen any fossils that are suggestive that this animal was a unicorn, all right? So unicorns are mainly taken as mythical animals. They were just put into stories to spice the stories up. So these atheists were trying to use that as an argument to doubt the authenticity of the Bible. They were trying to say that the Bible was actually a story, a long story written by, or, or long stories, a, a series of stories written by human beings because unicorns actually do not exist. And the Bible actually mentions the word unicorn nine times. So they stood on that and said, this is an animal that we don't have a proof that existed, but the Bible has mentioned it nine times, meaning that these things we have written in the Bible are actually figments of somebody's imagination. Hallelujah. But in actual fact, when you research about the language used in the King James era, somebody actually went to the extent of looking for a dictionary of that era. King James Version of the Bible was written in 1611. And dictionaries weren't invented in this 20th century. There were dictionaries in those days. So they actually went back and got a dictionary that was used in those days, that era, and they realized that the word unicorn was used interchangeably with the word rhinoceros. So in actual fact, what they may have been trying to talk about was the rhinoceros. And what are the similarities between the unicorn and the rhinoceros? We all know the unicorn is supposed to be a a horse-like animal with one very long horn in front of it, right? And there are two broad species of rhinoceros. There's one species that has two horns, and there is one species that has one horn. So in actual fact, the one that has one horn, 
the, the scientific name, they call it what? Rhinoceros unicornis. And the one with the two is bicornis. Uni means one. All right? So they could have been talking about the rhinoceros. But for me, whether it was a unicorn, a rhinoceros, a horse, a pig, a goat, it is the essence of what he's trying to say here that is important. Hallelujah. Now, the unicorn, or even let's say the rhinoceros, because of the positioning of its horn, was a very, or it's a very feared animal. In fact, it's very hard to watch natural, National Geographic or any of those animal things and see lions attempting to gather around the rhinoceros to eat it. And the reason is the positioning of its horn. And in the Bible, when we talk about a horn, it is a symbol of authority. Somebody say authority. When you see a horn, when Daniel talks about the fact that seven horns appeared, he was talking about seven powers, seven authorities. Hallelujah. So if the psalmist here is saying the Lord should exalt his horn like the horn of a unicorn, he's asking for God to elevate his power and for God to elevate his authority when dealing with his, where dealing with his enemies is concerned. Hallelujah. And because of the positioning of the horn, if the rhinoceros or the unicorn starts moving and starts running, no animal can stand in front of it. If you stand in front of it, you are in danger of being gorged and your intestines being brought out. Because of the mere positioning of the, of the horn and the sheer power and the speed with which it is running. And that is how you are going to operate in the name of Jesus. When you decide to do something, you will have the speed and the strength and the tenacity of the unicorn. When you move, nothing can stand your way. Hallelujah. So it says, my horn shall thou exhort like the horn of the unicorn. So as believers, we must walk in the knowledge and realization and the consciousness of the authority that we have as children of God. Amen. I was telling some people in Cape Coast recently that we have sat down as believers and Satan has taken us captive in so many areas of our life simply because we don't walk in the consciousness of the authority and the power we carry. But after today, you will walk like a unicorn. You will run like a rhinoceros. Hallelujah. Says, my horn shall thou exalt. Like the horn of a unicorn. It goes on to say, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. And the key word here is fresh. Hallelujah. Because as for the anointing, everybody has some. Once you have Christ in you, there is an anointing upon your life. But just like how with a car, the oil runs and becomes stale. And you have to take the old oil out and get in fresh oil. We also get weary sometimes. Even sometimes when, when those of you who minister, whether in song or, you know the talent is there. You know the, the ability is there. But I guess to a time you realize that the impact is not like how it used to be. It's not that the anointing is gone. It has just gone stale. You just need fresh oil. Hallelujah. You just need fresh ideas in business. Sometimes you need to have fresh ideas. You sit down and you re-strategize. That is what we call fresh oil. And I see fresh oil coming upon your life. Wherever you are weary, wherever you have met a brick wall, wherever there is stagnation, let there be progress in the name of Jesus. And let there be freshness in your life. Hallelujah. Even in your relationships with your friends, sometimes you need some freshness. Guess what time your roommate, you are tired of your roommate. The person hasn't done anything, can you see the person and it's like, ah, I've seen this face. Ah. You need some fresh oil in the relationship. Hallelujah. Some of you get tired when it comes to church. Oh, I've come to church uh, today. Let me sleep small. It is a demonic spirit that has been speaking to you. Hallelujah. Sometimes you just need some freshness. That is why it's important for us to go on a fast. When you fast, 
you are taking out the old dirty oil and you are replacing it with brand new golden oil. And those of you who use cars, when you have finished servicing your car, when you spark it and you step on the accelerator, you ask, hey, is this my own car? It feels like something you bought in the showroom. Meanwhile, it's like third hand or fourth hand. It's just because the oil has been changed. The filth in the engine has been taken out. The filters have been taken out. And as believers, we need that kind of maintenance all the time. A lot of people don't understand that portion of scripture that says that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. People interpret it to mean that once the gift is there, it means it's going to operate all the time. But that is not how I understand it. Hallelujah. And let me give you an analogy. If Silver Star, the ones who distribute Mercedes-Benz in Ghana here, if they decide to come and give you a gift of a Mercedes-Benz, it comes with a silent condition that you will do maintenance on it. It's just like how the gifts of the Spirit, when God gives them to you, healing, preaching, evangelizing, uh, uh, what do you call it, singing, playing drums, playing organ, doing whatever. When he gives you the gift, it comes with a silent condition or a clause of maintenance. And what is that maintenance? It's three things. The word of God, prayer, and holiness. These three. It's the maintenance you need for every gift. So just like that silver star gift, when it is given to you, and you decide that you are not going to do any maintenance on the car, and the oil becomes stale, engine starts blocking, it will be working and working and working and working. Efficiency will be going down, but it's still working. But one day, it will grind to a halt. It's the same with the gifts of the Spirit. The freshness makes the operation easier. You see, oil is a lubricant, and a lubricant is supposed to increase efficiency. Any machine that uses oil, when you have oil in it, the efficiency is higher. What is the equation for efficiency? Work output, is it output over input times 100 or input over output times 100? Something, something, something. But when you lubricate the machine, the efficiency of the machine is higher. And it's the same with the work of God. When you are operating with fresh oil, the efficiency is easier. You, 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 you get results done easier. When you're operating under anointing, impact is easier than when you're operating with a, with a talent. Hallelujah. And that is what a lot of people don't understand. We think, oh, because my voice is powerful, it means every time I go to... When your voice is powerful, all you will get at the end is applause. Loud applause. And that is where it ends. The song won't change anybody. The song will not touch anybody's spirit. The song will not bring healing to anybody. The song will not bring deliverance to anybody. It's just an applause for a good voice. That is why when we are doing things here, we don't call it a performance. It is administration. A performance is about your abilities and your talents. Administration is about him and your relationship with him. Hallelujah. So we need freshness all the time. We need freshness all the time. Those of you who speak in tongues, they get to a time you even get tired of the tongues that you speak. As I'm speaking the same thing. You need some fresh... <laughs> Freshness in the thing. Hallelujah. Yeah. He said, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. May you be anointed with fresh oil in Jesus' name. Next verse. I'm rushing through because I want us to have time to pray. He said, mine eye shall also see my desire on my enemies. And my ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. Hallelujah. 
Whether you like it or not, you have enemies. Both human and non-human. Hallelujah. But our attitude towards the human enemies must be different from the attitude towards the non-human enemies. Amen. As for the non-human enemies, it's clear. Satan has drawn the battle line. The Bible says the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Those are the three things Satan wants in your life. He wants to steal something from you. He wants to kill something from your life, and even you yourself. And he wants to destroy something from your life. So the battle line has been drawn clearly. The Bible says, from the time of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violence shall take it by force. So we should never be under any illusion that this is a tea party that we are here to walk through. There are things, there are entities that are plotting against you. There are things that want your downfall in life. There are things that want to bring you disgrace. Look, anytime you receive a prophetic word, the reason why they say it is a trigger for prayer is that, let's say I come to you and I give you a word that God says in the next two years, you will be a millionaire. And you decide that, ah, once the word has come, and the word of God will not uh, <laughs> return <laughs> void <laughs> without having accomplished that what, he, what he has, that, that what he has said. So you go to sleep. Or I come and say, you are an apostle to the nations. I see you raising the dead. I see you singing in big stadia. I see you worshiping with the president of the United States in the White House. I see you being invited to give an exhortation at the United Nations General Assembly meeting to speak the word of God to presidents of nations. You should be receiving these things so because there are blessings that I'm declaring. Hallelujah. And I come and I pronounce these things to you and you go to sleep. The moment that word comes forth, you see, one of Satan's greatest motivations is to make God look like a liar. He started it from the Garden of Eden. He will always come and put doubts in your mind as to what God has said. Did God really say this? Did God really say that? He will twist things. He's always had that agenda to make God look like a liar. So the reason why he will fight your prophetic word and the word that God has spoken towards your life is so that at the end of a day, you will say God is a liar. Hallelujah. So he plots. There are plottings. But thank God that revelation shows us what happens when we pray. He said, when we pray, the prayer ascends into heaven. It's like incense. And the angels gather the incense, add fire to it. And they throw it back onto the earth. And it produces voices. It produces thunderings. It produces lightnings. And it produces earthquakes. So wherever there are gatherings against you, whether in the spirit or in the physical, as you pray, and the angels of the Lord send those coals of fire, they send those, those, those um, the, the balls of incense. It causes earthquakes, it causes lightnings, it brings voices and thunderings that scatter the gatherings. May every gathering against you scatter in the name of Jesus. So he said, no, let's go back to the psalm. He's showing us that he knows the scriptures, you know. I mentioned Revelation, but he went to the page 8. That's powerful. Yeah. It means you, you remember the, the sermon or the sermon series on prayer. Because I use that, what do you call it? 
He said, my eyes shall also see my desire on my enemies. And my ears shall hear my desire of them, of the wicked that rise up against me. Any wickedness that rises against you, may you hear your ears desire. And may you see your eyes desire over the wickedness. Hallelujah. The next verse. Now, and I'm going to stay on this probably for the rest of the sermon. It says, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. And he shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon. The righteous. That means those of us who have accepted Christ. I've always told you that there's a difference between righteousness and holiness. Righteousness is like having a right standing with God. That one, you don't have a hand in it. It is purely a work of grace. But holiness is right living. And that one, you also have a hand in it. Hallelujah. So those who have a right standing with God, they shall flourish like the palm tree. Hallelujah. The Bible has a lot of trees. Maybe one day I should do a series on the trees in the Bible. Starting from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil through to the tree of life. <laughs> yeah. Trees have a lot of importance. And trees are used as metaphors. If you remember your English, JHS and SHS. A metaphor is supposed to be like a, a, a symbol. It's supposed to be something that, you know what a metaphor is. So, <laughs> so trees are metaphors. They are, they are metaphorical. That means the characteristics of those trees apply in a particular situation that they are being used in. Hallelujah. So the Bible says the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Let's ask ourselves, why is the Bible talking about the palm tree? Why the palm tree? and not any other tree. I want to show you certain characteristics of the palm tree so that whenever you are declaring that you are flourishing like the palm tree, you know exactly what you are talking about. Hallelujah. So what are some of the characteristics of the palm tree? And I'm going to list a few of them. Characteristic number one. It's very hard for the palm tree to burn. It's very hard for the palm tree to burn. It's virtually impossible. If you want to burn the palm tree, those of you with the Catholic background, there's, um, we call it what, Ash Wednesday. The palm branches that are used the previous year for the Hosanna, they are kept for one whole year and then they are burnt. Why do you think they are kept for one whole year? If you try and burn it immediately, it's going to be a disaster. It's kept for one whole year so that it will dry up well. So that when you put fire in it, it can bear. Hallelujah. Palm doesn't burn easily. And that is because the palm is full of sap. It has a lot of water. If you burn the, sap, the, the, the palm, you have to dry it off the water. the water. You have to drain the water out of it before it will burn easily. Amen. Water represents the word of God. And I'm here to tell you that you have too much of the word of God for you to go to hell and burn in there. Hallelujah. You, you, have to, you have everything that you need. For you to go through hell here on earth and in the afterlife. Sometimes you can go through certain situations. Hot situations like 
as if you have been put in an oven. But if you are like the palm tree, the temperature can be whatever. That is when you survive. In fact, the palm tree survives better in tropical conditions than even in the cool environment. Tropical conditions. When other plants are dying, when other plants are suffering, even when there is drought. Because even in the desert, the palm tree can survive. When you have a group of palm trees, we call it an oasis. And usually you find water there. They can survive. So you will go through the heat or the hot situations in life, but you will never burn. You will never be consumed. Three gentlemen, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they said, bow down and worship this image. They said, we will not bow. They said, bow down, otherwise we will kill you. And I like what they said. They said, if we know our God can deliver us from the fairness that you are promising us. But even if, somebody say, even if. Believers must come to that even if place in life. A lot of us get disappointed with things because we don't have the even if mentality. We expect things to go a particular way. And when it doesn't go that way, ah, God has failed me and God has. But they said, even if he doesn't deliver us, we will still not bow. The king made them hit the furnace how many times? Seven times hotter. To the extent that those who carried them there, they didn't even enter the furnace, but the heat alone was able to consume them. They threw these young men in. King went and came back expecting to see ashes. He said, I thought I put three men bound in this furnace. He said, yes, you put three men bound. But he said, but lo, I see four men loose. And the fourth one has the semblance of the son of a God. You will go through the fire, but you will not burn. And what I like was that they said what? And when they came out of the fire, you couldn't even smell the smoke on them. That means a difficult situation might come. A hard situation might come. A troubling situation might come. God will not only take you through, but when you are out, there will be no residual sign that you even had any trouble. That you even went through some trial. That you even went through some temptation. No residue. Because sometimes some people can go through things eh, and the scars are on them forever. The bitterness of the situation is on them forever. The offense from the situation is on them forever. But he says, when you come out of that furnace, the smell of the smoke will not be upon you. Nobody will, nobody will pass by you and say, ah, you are smelling of smoke. Hey, what has been happening in your life? You know, sometimes some people can see your face and they know that they say, Abrabon, it's like life is whipping you. Your face is morose. And, but I see the joy of the Lord emanating from your spirit. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will not fear any evil because God is with you. I like a poem somebody wrote. Because of the footprints of life. He said when it's like life is like a footprint on the, on the beach. During the rosy times, you could see his footprints and God's footprints. So they were walking together in the nice times. But when he got to the stormy parts, he realized that it was just two footprints. And he asked God, hey, so is it that when the difficult times come, you leave me? And God said, no, you are seeing two footprints because that is when I carry you. I carry you in my hands. So I'm the one doing the walking now. You just float in my arms. Just enjoy the grace. 
Sometimes nursery school and, 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 and children's service songs are powerful. One of the most powerful is what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. He said what? Oh, what peace we often forfeit and oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Paul said, be anxious for nothing. In all things, with prayer, supplication, is what? Be anxious for, uh, for, for nothing, but in all things and supplication, let your requests be known unto God. Hallelujah. Sometimes we bear too much. We take too much. But there is a friend that's taken closer than a brother. The Greek, they call him the Alos Parakletos. Who is there by us all the time. That's why I tell people, look, when you go through a difficult situation, yes, it's good to speak to human beings, but you must speak to Jesus first. Because what you are going through, the Bible says, he was tempted in every way. He has felt that way before. He has been depressed before. He has felt rejected before. He is the one you must speak to. Because he can bear your pain and he can feel your pain. When you come to tell me a pastor, I can empathize and sympathize to a point. Because I'm not in your situation. Hallelujah. But the one who has been through it before can feel your pain and bear your pain. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. So the palm tree doesn't burn easily. Characteristic number two. The palm tree is evergreen. I don't know how many of you have seen a withered palm tree before. It's like a palm tree and the leaves are brown. Even if you don't have to water it. And the reason is that the roots are deep. Even if there's no water on the outside, rain outside. Its roots are deep enough for it to tap for water for itself. And that is where the believer must come to. Where you are not dependent on the things that are around you. If you should be put in Afghanistan, where for one year there's no church around you, you must be able to create church around yourself. You don't need minister Della to come and lead worship before you can worship. You have, you, you've created a cocoon around yourself. Your, your worship comes from within. There are some people, they can't worship when there's no organ. They come to them today, we say we are, do, we are going to the secondary school SU days. You clap and just sing, ah, what kind of service is that? We want it. So some people, they come to church maybe for some reason, thank God our instrumentalists, they don't come late. But some churches, the instrumentalists, they know what they do, nobody can do it. So they hold the church to ransom. When everybody is there, they will just walk in majestically. Because the whole atmosphere, is, when they touch the organ, the whole atmosphere changes. They say, yeah, the guy is in the house. Everybody knows. And then the atmosphere lifts. But you come to a point where without instruments, you can still worship. Because your roots are deep. You can tap into the what you call, water tables for yourself. You must come to the point where you can feed yourself with the word of God. You, you. If you find yourself in a place where for one whole year, nobody to preach to you, you should be able to survive. Dig into the word for yourself. Pray. It's easy to pray. Saturday prayer, I mean, when we all come here, hey, let's pray. It's easy. We are all praying. When it's you alone, hey, two minutes, no. Hey, you wake up. Hey, I thought I would see a vision. You won't see any vision. Hallelujah. You must come to the point where you are self-sufficient. You're not depending on anybody. 
Even Jesus, Garden of Gethsemane, he realized that, look, I can't depend on these three people. They finished eating supper. They are feeling sleepy. Came. Oh, Charlie, why you people couldn't you even wait with me one hour? I said, oh, master, sorry, 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 sorry. They pretended to be doing something. When the man turned away, ah, ah, slept three times. He decided, look, what is about to happen is not their problem. The crucifixion is not them that are going to be caught. It is not their faces that people are going to spit on. It's not their beard that is going to be pulled. It is not their head that they are going to put the crown of thorns on. It is not their palms and their feet that are going to be pierced with six-inch nails. Let me take my destiny into my own hands. Let these people sleep. And he decided that he wouldn't be disappointed. Because he made an excuse for them. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Sometimes you tell somebody, pray for me on this matter. You meet the person, hey, did you pray for me? And they say, oh, the truth is that I forgot to. And it is a source of offense. Like, you are angry with the person for the rest of your life. Hey, in my difficult time, you were not there with me. Do you know what that person is also going through? Do you know the, the, the arrows the person is fighting? Do you know the mental agony the person is also going through? Jesus could have decided that, look, these, these people, you are, you, are, you, are, you, are, you are not reliable. As for when I was multiplying bread, and there was fish, sardine, plenty to eat. You were following me. You were not sleeping. When I was doing the mighty things and the fans were coming, hey, 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 we had apostles, so hey, you can't come near him. Hey, you, who are you? Hey, go, go, go back. Now that I need you, you are snoring. But Jesus made a case for them. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Hallelujah. Don't allow yourself to be too disappointed in life with people. Make a case for them. Sometimes we hold on to disappointment for a very long and, and, and it affects our own progress in life. Just make a case for the person and move on. As a believer, your roots must be deep. Tap for the water for yourself. And even those of us who minister, we need to be careful not to have the attitude where when we pick the Bible, all we are looking for is the next revelation to give to the people. It's very easy to get to that place. When you pick the Bible, oh Lord, what do you have for your people? I decided that I'll stop that thing. When I take the Bible, Lord, what do you have for me? Hallelujah. Because I need to build myself before I come and build you. I see your roots going deep. I see you tapping for spiritual water for yourself. You see, when your roots are deep, you don't need anybody to call you to remind you to come to church on Sunday. You don't need anybody to say, hey, it's midweek service. So you don't wait for COVID to put it on the church page. Family, it's Wednesday. <laughs> you know how he's been doing it. Let's all get to church. It's midweek service time. I'll wait for Gina to put it up. Hey, please, let's remember that there is midweek. You don't need to be reminded. You know how important it is. And you are a self-sufficient believer. When I say you're self-sufficient, don't get me wrong that you don't need God. You need God. Everybody needs God. Even Jesus, when he was here on earth, he needed God. The moment God left him small, he was miserable. He started speaking Hebrew. Eli, Eli, lama sabatani. <laughs> Why? Because he was used to God being by him all the time. The Bible said Jesus went about doing good, healing the sick. Why? Because God was with him. He was used to the prayer. He left the entirely the language changed. The guy, they suffer. Tell somebody you need God. 
that you shouldn't be over dependent on human beings. It is the lack of this revelation that has created a market for false prophets and charlatans. Because people are the dependency syndrome. Men of God are there to help. Men of God are there to give direction. But no man of God can ever replace Jesus in your life. No man of God can ever replace the Holy Spirit in your life. I keep telling people, look, if you are given a prophetic word by even the most accurate and trusted prophet you know, and what the Holy Spirit is telling you inside you is contrary, take what the Holy Spirit is telling you inside. Why? Because the Holy Spirit inside you knows more about your present, your past, and your future than any prophet will ever know. Hallelujah. You must know God for yourself. If I should carry you and take you, go to Papua New Guinea. Go and start. Overflow. Papua New Guinea. The likelihood that you will find believers around is very low. So you have to create an oasis in the desert. And if your roots are not deep, you yourself, you wither before you even get to church members. I pray that your roots will be deep. Number three. The palm tree cannot be grafted. Most other plants, and you can graft them. That means you can take another species. Let's say apple. There are different species of apple. You can have an apple tree, and you take a branch from another species of apple and come and graft it in it. So there are apple trees that can actually bear like four different species of apple. It is possible. There are even some plants that can even take another plant altogether. So you have one tree and it's growing both orange and mango. It's possible with advanced agri. But the palm tree can never be grafted. Hallelujah. That means if you are like a palm tree and you are a believer, you can't, you can't allow contamination. Something from another species, something that is not your nature, something that is not, it's not supposed to be part of your world, to be grafted into you. It won't allow it. It will reject it. It's like a transplant that has been rejected. The system will just not take it. That graft will not take and it will fall off. And that is how it should be. Hallelujah. I pray that your palm tree nest will come soon, especially the ladies. When Amalekite men come into your life and try to graft into you, they will have to fall off. Hallelujah. Because your system is not for other species. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. He said, what communication has light with darkness? When they come with their sweet words, hey, sister, you hear me taste? Why? Your heart is beating. The person is already telling you a taste. You should see where his mind is going. <laughs> Let me taste why. <laughs> oh, Mimpesa, what did you say? <laughs> they try to do funny things with you. Tell them stop. When you mean when you want to say stop, say stop. Don't behave like you know sometimes you behave and what you are actually it's like what you are trying to say is, uh, is, is do, do what you are stopping. Do 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 what you are stopping. Do what you are stopping. Say, I cannot be grafted. 
Nothing from the other side should survive inside you. It should be a pure species. You can have acquaintances that are unbelievers, but friends, people, pa, that you call friends, 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 pa. As they say, show me your friend. Because there's something called transference of spirit, eh? You, you, you wouldn't know it, but it's happening unconsciously. You are with the person. Moving around with the person. The time you realize some of the weaknesses, by whether osmosis or diffusion, whatever, there is a movement. You start doing the same thing. Start talking the same way. Start liking the same thing. Let me tell you. Whether you are male or female, your idea of who, let's say, a beautiful woman is, is shaped not just by your genetic makeup, but by the people around you. The things they say. Oh. Me, there are some people, you see, some people like fair, some like dark. There's a, depending on who are around you, they say, they say, they say, they say, and the thing enters your head. The time I preach about, um, what do you call it? Dealing with insecurity and inferiority complex. I told you there's no definition for beauty. No, nobody can, there's no one definition for beauty. You see somebody is talking about his wife and she's the most beautiful woman in the world and you look at her, oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> brother man. <laughs> Glasses are not expensive. <laughs> we can organize one for you. And he's saying the thing. One pastor said a gentleman came to him. He was like, Christian gentleman. He was like, there's this lady. And it's like he finds the lady a temptation. It's like when he looks at her. So he saw the lady. He said, huh? this one is your temptation. <laughs> Me, I don't look there twice. But he, he can't stand. His knees wobbling. So what you see as avoidable is temptation. For someone to the extent that he needs prayers, laying on of hands, pouring of oil and laying of legs as well. So you can't you can't define beauty. You can't define beauty. Let's move on. Number 5. The palm tree can withstand abuse. There are a lot of trees. If you should cut the bark of the tree, you killed it. There are some trees, eh? You can see it big like that. If you want to just kill the tree, all you have to do is to the bark and just cut a ring out of the bark. Wait for a while. The time you come back, that tree is gone. Upon all is, let me use the word, bigness. Just that. And the reason is that the things that sustain it, the xylem, the floor, they're in the outside. They are external, but not for the palm tree. The palm tree is sustained from the core, from the inside. The palm tree is not sustained by externalities, but the things that are happening around it. The palm tree doesn't care about what the conditions are outside because the core is very rich. And that's what Africans have realized, and we tap it and we call it palm wine. <laughs> rich core. It's from the inside. It's not about externalities. 
Your joy is not dependent on what is happening around you. Happiness is dependent on what is happening around you because happiness is the result of happenings. The things that are happening around you. The good news that you've passed your exam. You've received some plenty money. May you receive plenty money in your account in the name of Jesus. <laughs> then it comes with happiness. But joy comes from the core. It emanates from the spirit of God that lives inside your spirit. That's why you can say, I am not moved by what I see. I am not moved by what I hear. I am only moved by the word of God. That's why it doesn't matter what is happening around you. You tried the business, the thing didn't work, right? You are still happy. Your money is locked up somewhere, right? You are still happy. Hallelujah. You don't survive on external things. It is the core that sustains you. So the palm tree can withstand abuse. You can cut, cut it, and it will still survive. Abuse. There are some people, they can't take disappointment in life. I gave you an example. Jesus Christ, he took disappointment. Jesus was disappointed so many times. It wasn't just the three people in the garden, no. Even Judas Iscariot disappointed him. Ah, you, you have been with us all these three years. You won't change. You have decided that they ask, you like money. And you will, your character will not change. I keep telling you that Judas Iscariot didn't betray Jesus because he hated Jesus. He liked money and he saw a good opportunity to make some quick cash. Ah, the man, people had tried to kill him earlier. They had tried to arrest him. Always he escapes. So in his mind, ah, this guy is powerful. Let me go and negotiate. I take my money. I go. They come. He disappears. At the end of the day, my profit is in my pocket. That was his mind. But that day, there was no disappearing. There was no display of power. I'm sure when they said somebody came to one of the soldiers came to Jesus. He said, hey, who are you? He said, I am he. And the person fell down. Aha. Uh -huh. <laughs> the display of power is going to come. He's going to do this and all of them will sleep. And he'll run away. But no, it didn't happen. That was why the man was sad. Afterwards. He disappointed Jesus Christ. Peter. This man could talk. Anytime they ask a question, he's the first to answer. He said, Lord, me to betray you, not on this earth. It will never happen. It will never happen. But a small girl came to him and said, aren't you one of me? You know, I'll slap you right now. <laughs> Second time, hey, this one, give me a slap. Yeah, blow, blow you right now. Three times. Disappointment. So Jesus took disappointment. The abuse of disappointment. Disappointment can be a very, very strong thing. And disappointment can make you stop hoping. And let me show you how serious it is to stop hoping. There are triplets. Faith, hope, and love. But the Bible says the greatest is love. If you stop hoping, it's as bad as stopping having faith and then when you have stopped loving. Because the three of them, they are triplets. They walk along. Every believer must walk with hope. You must believe in things, that this thing will work. The fact that you had a bad experience doesn't mean you should shut hope where that thing is concerned. Look, when you try something and it doesn't work the first time, it doesn't mean that door is closed forever. 
It probably means go back and re-strategize. Go back and re-strategize. Sometimes you face rejection. It's also part of the abuse. You are rejected. You expect some people to accept you. Ah, you went to some place to preach. You expected the excitement. The people were just there. Nobody was writing. They finished. They didn't even applaud you. You say, say and things like that. You feel rejected. Ah, these people have all this oil upon my life. You face rejection. Even Jesus, with all his anointing. You see, when you're into ministry, eh, one of the things that can help you is when right from the beginning you have said that it's not everybody who will be excited about your ministry. When you have that, oh, you go far. If you expect everybody to like you and like your message and like the way you sing and the way you drum and the way you play the organ. No, 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 it's not everybody who will like it. You've not been called to everybody. You've not been called to everybody. Just, just accept that. This is how, uh, those who like it, they like it. Even Jesus, it's not everybody who accepted his ministry. He knew the word inside out. That you preach and everyone knows. They are looking for loopholes. To use to arrest him. Rejection. Luke chapter 9. He went with his apostles to Samaria. And he sent them to Raja ahead of him. He followed. The Bible said the people rejected him. And the apostles were hurt. Like, hey. I mean, you, you, do you know who we are? Do you know what we can do? And you have rejected us, you Samaritans. And one of them came to Jesus and said, shall we call down fire from heaven to consume them? Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you are made of. You like spirit of Elijah, spirit of Elijah. But the spirit you are operating with is a superior spirit. It's the spirit of Christ. It's not the spirit of Elijah. Rejected. But that same Samaria, I believe in Jesus' mind, look, I'm not done with them this strategy of going with a whole entourage and many people didn't work. I'll re-strategize and come back. So the next time, no Peter, no John, nobody. That's when the Bible said, Jesus must need go through Samaria. He went alone. And instead of trying to speak to a whole crowd, he looked for one woman by the well. And as I told you the other time, it was out of his comfort zone. That's not what he would have wanted to do at that particular point in time. You Jew going to Samaria in the first place in some way. And you a Jew, Jew who calls yourself a holy man. You are going to talk to a woman. And those days the wells were on the outskirts. Where they were secluded. Man of God alone. With a woman. A Samaritan woman. And a woman with a questionable character. Because she's been through five men. And the one she's with at the moment is not her husband. What are you doing with this woman? But the strategy had to change. Hallelujah. He gave her one word of knowledge. Bah! And the woman's eyes opened. Yay! Yeah! Something is happening in this place. By the time he was done with her, she was convinced and she was the first non-Jew to proclaim the kingdom of God. You see, sometimes plan B is actually what should have been plan A. When you go for plan A and it doesn't work, sometimes your first choice... In fact, in a lot of things, eh, this one is, 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 is wisdom. In a lot of things, the breakthrough is in the second choice. It's in the second choice. Breakthrough. That is where the breakthrough is. In the second choice. He re-strategized and went. And I believe that revival the woman started 
was what laid the foundation for that big revival Philip went to have in Samaria in Acts chapter 8. The grounds were laid. Because for him alone to be in Samaria, to be able to hold a citywide crusade, there must have been believers there who will help with organizing. Even virally, on, it is a, 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 a Kolebu-wide program. The number of people who have to come on board. Last time when we were doing the anointing service for the, those who are going to work for it, it was more than 200 people. So if you're going to hold a city-wide crusade, there must have been people there who believed in the message of the kingdom. And that foundation was laid by that woman. Hallelujah. So we must learn to deal with disappointment. We must learn to deal with rejection. It's not everywhere you go that you will be accepted. Jesus told them, just dash the feet of your, he has a sign unto them. And just go, move on. Boys, boys, you go and propose. And you are bounced like a tennis ball. Me, I say in Christianity, there's nothing like bouncing. It's called what? Redirection. It's like a deflected goal. When they kick the ball and the thing is going way awful and some defender just brings himself, it hits him and then it's redirected in the right way. That bounce is a redirection into the right direction because the right person is waiting for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Rejected, just just move on. Don't get stuck and be morose and be sad and doubt yourself. Because it's not every time that you'll be accepted. You try something, it doesn't work. Business. It doesn't mean you should fold your arms and sit down. No, that's what this one. It's not my calling my calling. Recently, I was having a discussion with somebody about a, a work colleague, about investments and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, you can actually invest your money and get very good returns on it, like very, very good returns. She was like, hey, she was even talking about men's gold. Hey, men's gold, even this 10% thing is too much. It's too much. This is it. And she was like, no, these things, she saw it's occultism. It's occultism. This one, they are, they are doing evil, like evil things. How can you make ten percent per month? And I was like, oh, ten percent. And you are screaming. <laughs> you are making noise. I said, you are a Christian, right? I showed the scripture. There are about eight scriptures where the Bible actually talks about a hundredfold increase. Now, let me tell you what a hundredfold increase means in percentage. Twofold is 200%. You double. That means a hundredfold is 10,000%. 10% you are making noise. And the Bible is talking about a hundredfold. 10,000%. Even in Deuteronomy, it talks about a thousandfold increase. You're talking about hundred thousand percent. Tell somebody, open your mind. Open your mind. Open your mind. Number seven. The palm tree breaks bands. Most trees, when you put a chain around it, the tree will grow and absorb the, the chain. But not the palm tree. The palm tree will grow and break the chain. And the chain will be out. Other trees, they will grow and just absorb the chain into their system. Chains represent weaknesses. Chains represent difficult areas in your life. If your life is going to be like the palm tree, as you grow, the bands must break the weaknesses must go. 
then certain sins must go. Hallelujah. When the Bible says, because of the anointing, the yoke shall be broken. In another translation, they actually say what, what the Bible was actually trying to say. You see, a yoke is like two oxen. When you have two oxen, you have, they are yoked together. The thing is around their neck and it connects them to each other. When the Bible says, because of the anointing, the yoke shall be broken. What, what is it trying to say is, because of the fatness of your neck, the yoke will be broken. It's like your neck now becomes too fat for the yoke to continue to be there. And it is broken like that. And that is where you are coming. Hallelujah. As you grow, those bands are going to be broken off your life. Number eight. The palm tree bends during a, uh, during a storm. Other trees will break. But the palm tree will bend. And when the storm is over, it will stand the day. It's able to strategize in the stormy times. Because you see, if the wind is coming and you know that if you stand, if you continue to stand like this, you will break. It's better to bend. So that the wind just goes like this. And then when the wind is over, you stand the day. So you must have survival instincts. It is not every time that things will be rosy around you. You go through stormy times. And you need to strategize. And for every storm, the strategy for dealing with the storm is different. There are a lot of storms in the Bible. Jonah, the solution to the storm was that they had to throw the Jonah out of the boat. So sometimes the solution to the storm is to identify the Jonah, whether it's a human Jonah or a habit Jonah or a, a character Jonah and throw it out of the storm, of, of the boat. Instead of throwing valuable things away. Because on Jonah's ship, they were trying to manage and they were throwing valuable things off the boat. Sometimes that is the solution. When Jesus was in the boat and the storm came, the people woke him up. Hey, master, don't you care that we perish? In some storms, you have to call upon God. Oh. Now, God, wake up. Oh. If you are sleeping, wake up. Oh. You have to go and agonize, petition heaven. Pray like you've never prayed before. Fast like you've never fasted before. If they hadn't woken Jesus up, oh, he said, master, let him sleep. You know, don't disturb him, don't disturb him. They would have all perished. They had to go and wake him up. Look, there are times you have to be real with God. He said, don't you care that, don't, don't, God, this situation that is happening to, to me, you don't see? You don't see that I'm suffering? Don't you see that I'm suffering? And the Bible said, Jesus woke up and rebuked it. And I see God rising and rebuking the storm in your life. Paul was found in a storm. And the Bible said the ship was wrecked, but the people survived. If the ship was wrecked and the people survived, then it means they swam. That's the only way the ship can wreck and you survive. You have to learn how to swim. Oh? You are living by the sea, tsunami. <laughs> you have to learn to swim. They had to swim and survive. So the different strategies for surviving in storms are different. And if a storm should come into your life, may the Lord give you a revelation of what the solution to the storm is in Jesus' name. The older the palm tree, the sweeter its fruit. The older the palm tree, the sweeter its fruit. As you grow in God, may your life be sweeter. May the things you used to struggle with be things of the past. 
May the physical issues you used to struggle with be a thing of the past. May the laziness when it comes to prayer and the reading of the word be a thing of the past. May your inconsistency when it comes to the things of God coming to church as you grow. May you be sweeter. And may your life be sweeter. Number 10. The palm tree is very useful. In fact, it's probably one of the most useful plants you can ever get. The uses are many. It's not only for a bank wine. There are a lot of uses for, palm, for the palm tree. And that is how the believer should be. You should be useful both in the secular environment and in the church. In fact, for Christians, there's actually no difference between secular and church. It is it's all in our world. Hallelujah. It should be useful. It should be useful in church. Hallelujah. There are advantages for being useful in the house of God. Maybe one day I'll preach a sermon on it. Oh, yeah. We can be in the house. Of, we are all not the same. The vessels are never the same. Sometimes when it comes to showing favor, God will look at those who are serving him. That one is it's not a, it's, 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 it's never debated. There are many people who died in the church. But when Dockers died, when Dockers died, Apostle Peter had to get up and go. Say, no, 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 you, we can't lose you. You are too useful to this ministry and the progress of this ministry. Well, we can't allow you. You are, you are undiable. We can't allow you to die. He went there and commanded her to get up. And she came back to life. Meanwhile, I'm sure other people have died. Oh, they buried them. Oh, dust to dash. Ashes to ashes. God be with you till we meet again. But they said, Docker, ask for Docker. No, no, you are too useful. You are too useful. We, we can't allow you to go. So God has favorites in the church. Let, let, let's not kid ourselves that God, he loves all of us, but it's not to the same level. He said what? Esau have I hated, Jacob have I loved. It's not, it's not the same. If God decides that the oxygen content in the world is 20%, that was a 20%. For some reason, I'm going to ration it. I'm going to make it 19%. And that will mean that some people will die. What is that single reason why God should spare you? Go and ask yourself that question. He says, I'm reducing it by 1%. Some people are going to die. What is that one reason? That thing for which you are God's plan A. That God will use and say, because of this, you will not be one of those that will perish. I pray that you'll be useful in the house of God. I pray that you'll not just be a, a pew warmer. We here, we don't have pews. We have chairs. You'll just not be a chair warmer. And that whatever ability God has placed in your heart, on your spirit, you put it to the use of the church. I pray that you shall flourish like the palm tree. And you see, the other thing about the palm tree is that the palm tree doesn't struggle to spread. It's like, it just, you plant a palm tree and, and within a short, you can, you can cover a whole place with palm trees. And that is how your life will be. Any area you go to, you will take over and dominate in the name of Jesus. In the area of academics, in the area of career, may you flourish like the palm tree. In Jesus' name. Shall we stand to our feet? We want to spend some time praying into the word. I'll continue with this either Wednesday or next week, Sunday. First of all, you want to thank God for the word that has come for. Just, just, just thank God for the word. Just thank God for the word. Just thank God for the word. Thank him for his word. Come on, let me hear you pray. Let me hear you pray. Let me hear you pray.
Just thank God for the word. We want to pray that this word will attach itself to your spirit like never before. In the name of Jesus, lift up your voice. 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 Lord, let this word remain. Let this word abide. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And even as you leave this place today, the Lord give you more revelation and more insight into this word. In the name of Jesus. 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 Lord, cement this word. Cement this word. Cement this word. Cement this word. In the depth and the recesses of my spirit. flourish like the palm tree. Amen. I've spoken about ten characteristics of the palm tree. You want to speak into your life that Lord, from today, may I flourish like the palm tree. Amen. May I be able to withstand fire. Amen. Amen. May I be able to break bands. All the things that I've spoken about, you want to pray that Lord, let those abilities begin to manifest in me. Lift up your right hand and say this after me. Lift up your right hand. Say in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Say in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Say Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. Say this morning. This morning. I declare. I declare that my life. That my life is like the palm tree. Is like the palm tree. Say I declare. I declare that I shall flourish. That I shall flourish like the palm tree. Like the palm tree. In the name. In the name of Jesus. Lift up your voice. Begin to pray right now. In the name of Jesus. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Come on, let me hear you. Declare. That your palm shall be broken. Declare that you shall be useful. Declare that you shall be useful. Declare that you cannot be drafted. No foreign thing shall find a place in your life. In the name of Jesus. Declare that you will be ever green. 
which shall go deep. That you will be self-sufficient. You will tap into the resources of the world. You will tap into the resources of the Spirit of God for yourself. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Declare that when the storms come, you will not be shaken. When the storms come, the Lord shall give you wisdom to strategize. Lift up your hands, O 
Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word that has come forth. We pray in the name of Jesus that this word will be cemented deep down in our spirit. That we shall be doers of your word and not listeners only. Father, I pray that after today, the eyes of your people shall be open to the qualities of the palm tree in their lives. I pray that they will be unmovable in difficult situations. They will not burn in difficult situations in the name of Jesus. I pray that their roots will be deep and that they will be self-sufficient. I pray that whatever bonds, whatever chains are in their lives, they shall be broken in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that they will be useful. Let every aspect of their lives be useful. Their spiritual lives, their work lives, let every aspect of your lives be useful in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you for the transformation that has come to your people by the entrance of this way. I give you glory. I give you praise. Take glory, Father. Take glory, Son. Take glory, Holy Spirit. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. In Jesus' most excellent name, I will pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Somebody put their hands together for Jesus. Put your hands together for Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, you want to speak a word into the life of our Father. In the next five seconds, you want to speak a good word. That he will continue to be a blessing to us. In the name of Jesus. That even as God has given him to us as a gift, we receive him fully in what he carries. Thank you, Father, for this glorious gift. In the name of Jesus, have we prayed. Amen. You want to take out your offer tree quickly. Today we are coming, we are coming for it to give the offer tree. Amen. So don't don't sit down too quickly. Don't sit down too quickly. Where are my, my key ushers? Please come around so that we can quickly.
stretch our hands towards the offertory. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you for the ability to give, for the work of the ministry, to give off what you have blessed us with. We thank you, Father, that we'll be blessed even more in the name of Jesus. Have we prayed in thanksgiving? Amen. You want to take your seats? If you brought your thighs, you want to just quickly give me a wave. If you brought a thigh to church, your thigh to church today. If God has blessed you within the week and there is an increase in your life, you quickly just want to God bless you. You want to stand to your feet quickly if you bow your thigh. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, let's clap for them. Let's clap for them. Yeah. It's not easy to pay tithe. Some of you don't pay, so you don't know. Yeah, it's, 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 it's hard. Hallelujah. You need a certain grace upon your life.